0: you sappy music. Hey there, Fighting for the Faith podcast listener. Just want to remind you at the top of the program here that Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. You know, no, the music isn't working. Kill the music. Yeah, sorry. I see other guys who use sappy music. I, bad idea. Remind me to talk to you after the program. Anyway. Just want to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions to keep bringing this program to you. If you don't support us financially already, visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on one of the friendly yellow buttons. Fill it all out. You know what to do. Or if you would like to do the traditional thing, you can make your check payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send that to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Okay, now you can play your music. Yeah. Enjoy listening to the program. I enjoyed making it. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Here we go. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, December 3rd, 2013. Well, it's going to feel more like a normal episode today. You know, when you you come back from a few days off, it takes a few days to kind of get back in the saddle. So yesterday I was riding saddle as I'm a pirate, I just the metaphors don't mix. Thank you for tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there, we slow down and stop. Open up our Bibles and check what God's Word says in context. Uh, This is just absolutely important. The reason why it's important is because Scripture says that false teachers and false prophets are the ones who cause people to trust in lies, that's what Scripture says in the in the book of Jeremiah. Now I'm working on an article or a blog post, you know, where I'll flesh that out a little bit more. But uh, you know, I just let you know that's 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 coming. Fascinating, fascinating stuff in uh, the prophet Jeremiah, and I've been working through some of that. And putting I'm in the process of putting together a full blown post post on it. But uh, the kind of the gist of it is this: is that Um, The the concept of prophet, so many times, Christians, when you say the word prophet, what comes to mind in their mind is fortune teller, somebody who can see the future, somebody who the word of the Lord comes to and says, this thing or that thing is going to occur. That's not what a prophet is. A prophet is one who. Who has been given a message by God, and they are only to speak the words that the Lord has given them. And you know, it, the the occupation of of prophet, if you would, is a dangerous, dangerous um, occupation. It, it could cause you to lose your head, literally. And um, but so w- the idea then is this: is that the pastoral office has a prophetic component to it. So when you hear in like, you know, 2nd Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season, that's kind of referring to the prophetic aspect of the pastoral office. That the pastor is only to preach and teach the oracles, the word of God, not their own ideas, not uh, not anything else. And false prophets according to the prophet Jeremiah are those who cause people to believe in lies so when somebody takes god's word and twists it and manipulates it and mangles it and then te- fills you with all kinds of well bad theology false doctrine takes your eyes off of christ they're not causing you to trust in the Lord, to trust in Jesus, to trust in the Messiah and what he has done for you. They are causing you to trust in their warped doctrines, their twisting of God's word, and ultimately trust in yourself or trust in them, but not trust in the truth, not trust in the one who is the truth, Jesus, who is the who is the truth. So you know, like just keep that keep that in mind. I'm working on something on, along those lines, and so that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. And w- what we also do here at Fighting for the Faith is we we deal with threats most of the time internal, but also threats um, the, you know to Christianity from outside. And so uh, I've been working my way through. <laughs> Oh man, talk about beating your head against a wall! The uh, the latest hit piece. We must be getting close to Christmas because the History Channel has, at this point, has decided to pull out an entire series designed to completely undermine undermine the, the Bible, its authority, its inspiration, and all that kind of stuff, and and make you go, well, can I trust my Bible? I don't know if I can trust. Yeah, it's it's just an absolute abysmal hit piece. So uh, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We've got two things we're going to be doing in the first hour, and then a sermon review. Hour number one, we're going to begin with um, taking a look at last week's <laughs> episode of Bible Secrets revealed uh and the uh, the name of that episode is the forbidden scriptures and i mean this is oh man this is so predictable i mean this is as predictable as the idea that lady gaga is going to wear something bizarre tomorrow i mean everybody knows she's going to wear something bizarre tomorrow and so i mean it's so predictable but what they do uh, you know get this oh they take a look at (gasps) the gnostic gospels well they 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 had a jesus tradition too and um, and these were forbidden scriptures you know why they were forbidden because orthodoxy won the day and oh yeah and it's just bizarre you know the real reason why the gnostic gospels were never included in uh, in the new testament it's real simple because they're not they don't provide us with any Legitimate historical eyewitness testimony regarding Jesus—they are, um, I guess, a good way to put it is, is that they're fan fictions. Uh, that the, you know, the, the Gnostic Gospels are fanfics uh, created by people who believe that matter is evil. That's probably the right way to put it. So, uh, what we, so we got a Bible Secrets Revealed update. Uh, when we take, We'll take a break, and when we come back, we have an extended update, uh, a David Crank update. And then in hour number two, I won't tell you the name of the, the church. We've got a new church that we're going to uh, do a sermon review. I've never reviewed a sermon from this church. And um, this is a, a listener request, if you would. And yeah, oh man, it's 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 horrible. It it really is awful. It, it, and it the thing I the reason why I decided to go ahead and review it on the air is because it's a perfect illustration of allegorizing a biblical text that is a historical narrative that has nothing to do with being allegorized, and and the whole thrust of the teaching is to not have you put your trust in the word, the Logos, Christ, but to put your trust in some subjective word that you're supposed to have received from God, if that makes any sense. And so the the David Crank piece that I did, I I threw it in there because it fits perfectly with what we're going to be doing in our sermon review today. So... We've got a lot of ground to cover. I strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. Um, fuzzy bunny slippers, by the way, it's been a while since I've mentioned fuzzy bunny slippers. And I got to tell you, the, the 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 brand of fuzzy bunny slippers that we have been promoting for years on Fighting for the Faith are no longer available at Amazon.com. It's, it's, so if you own a pair of those particular fuzzy bunny slippers, just know that uh, you have got yourself, well, a collector's item. But uh, fuzzy bunny slippers um, do enhance the uh, listener experience so if uh you you want to go ahead and don a pair of those have a seat put on your fuzzy bunny slippers they will enhance your listener experience of course everybody knows it's all about the experience nowadays so it's very important to me that your experience is the best experience possible and that those do enhance the experience so without any further ado we're going to dive into the program proper and uh, since we're doing a bible secrets revealed update well that requires me to do this Light and losing my religion. I'm
1: trying to keep up, you
0: and I don't. That's right. I'll. Ease off here. That's uh, R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion, which is our update music for our Bible Secrets Revealed um, segments. And it's, consider these Bible Secrets debunked segments that I do here at Fighting for the Faith. So forbidden scriptures? Was it true that the Gnostics also had true information and true biographical teachings and data regarding Jesus and that they've been suppressed by that mean old Orthodox group that was really in league with the, the Roman Catholic papacy and the powers of rome yeah here's um <clears throat> the latest installment from uh, the history channel on their hit piece against the bible and we'll debunk this in momentarily
1: but listen in nag Hammadi, upper egypt december 1945 a group of farmers unearth a clay jar containing 52 religious texts written between the 2nd and 4th centuries. When were they
0: written? Between the 2nd and the 4th centuries. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2nd and 4th centuries. So 100 years to 300 years after the life of Christ. Now, what if I told you that, um, well... I've got some d- documents, you know, from a really dusty old book that I seem to have found, um, the, from the 19th century.-. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a dusty old book from the 19th century with a whole bunch of, um, of stories about George Washington. And you know they, they tell me these, these really bizarre things, you know, like uh, George Washington really wasn't a human being, but that he was really from outer space. Uh-huh. And uh and uh that what happened is is that the demiurge um you know sent George Washington to you know help free us from the bad thinking of the medieval period and that in in reality he was not even physical. In fact, George Washington never really even left any footprints. Uh-huh. And um and you know and that uh, he never taught you know anything you know re- regarding you know, good things of the flesh and stuff like that, but always was encouraging us to embrace the spiritual. You'd say, when were those documents written again? Um, yeah, I understand that they're dusty. And uh, you said they're old. From the, from the when? From the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, were they based on eyewitness data? Um, you you things like See, that's the thing. When were the Gnostic texts written? Between the second and fourth century. Centuries, They are fan fictions. They are legendary stories by people who believe that matter is evil. That's what they are. They do not provide us with any eyewitness testimony regarding Jesus, and I'll get into more specifics on that in just a minute,
1: but we continue. Bible scholars believe they were hidden here nearly 2,000 years ago by a religious group known as the Gnostics.
2: The Gnostics weren't a single group, but they had some common ideas, and one of the biggest kind of commonalities between all the different schools of Gnosticism was their belief that the material
3: world was evil.
4: Early on, you did have groups of Christians that held ideas that were felt by the mainstream.
0: Now, this is weird. That Robert Mullins is a theology professor at Azusa Pacific University. The Bible itself makes it clear that the Gnostics are not Christians. That's right. The Apostle John says of the Gnostics, if anyone says that Christ has not come in the flesh, he is of the Antichrist. This is what the New Testament says regarding the Gnostics. So to say that, oh, there was Christians who held to Gnostic beliefs being set and this is a statement being made by a man who is a theology prophet at Christian University tells me something seriously wrong here to not be in line with the true spirit of Christianity
2: the gnostics claim to
0: have a tradition that comes directly from Jesus yeah, that's the claim but there's no evidence to support the claim and I'll get to that momentarily
2: Jesus is the first one who tells us we don't need an intermediary. We don't need priests. We don't need churches. Uh,
0: We don't need churches? Uh, Jesus is the one who said that on the confession of Peter, that, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God, that he would build his church. What are you talking about? And this is where the beginning of the Gnostic church comes from. No, the beginning of the Gnostic church is basically those who heard about the teachings of Jesus and they tried to hijack it and make it fit with her with their platonic evil matter you know, weird demiurge mytho- mythology it doesn't work
1: the gnostics were followers of Jesus who claimed to have secret knowledge
0: they were not followers of Jesus there's absolutely no historical evidence To suggest that any of Jesus' disciples were Gnostics.
1: Beyond that, contained in the four Gospels of the New Testament. And it was this alleged secret knowledge related to Jesus' life and teachings that was found at Nag Hammadi, texts that scholars refer to as the Gnostic Gospels. These so called lost books of the New Testament include the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of the Egyptians. And the testimony of truth. The reason that a lot of these books didn't make it into the Bible is that they weren't
2: congruent with the core message of the books that did make it in.
0: That's only one of the problems. The fact is, is that none of the earliest church fathers ever quoted from them, ever And we have the writings of the church fathers going all the way back to the first generations of Christians. You think of Papias or um, of Polycarp or uh, uh, Ignatius and these men. Nobody ever cited from the Gnostic Gospels prior to, what, the second and third centuries? And the reason for that is because these so-called gospels have nothing to do with the actual stories about Jesus, with Jesus's real life, his real teachings, his real anything. They're not based on eyewitness testimony. They are fictions. They are, like I said, fan fictions written by people who do not believe that matter is good. They believe that matter is evil. We continue.
1: Every early Christian text that makes it into the New Testament thinks that Jesus is the Messiah that prophesied in the Old Testament. But there were Christians that didn't believe this, and there were Christians that were skeptical about this strong link. And on the whole, those Christians didn't win the day. They didn't actually find that their text.
0: The Gnostics are not, and never have been, Christians. Let me read you a quote from uh, New Testament scholar Luke Timothy Johnson. Here's what he says. Americans generally have an abysmal level of knowledge of the Bible. In this world of mass ignorance, to have headlines proclaim that this or that fact about Jesus has been declared untrue by supposedly scientific inquiry has the effect of gospel. There is no basis on which most people can counter these authoritative-sounding statements. And see, that's the problem. I mean, everything I'm saying, you're sitting going, wait a second, but this guy is a PhD. He's not saying the truth. Okay, the Gnostics, according to the New Testament, apostles are not Christians. And they have nothing to offer us regarding the true teachings of Jesus and his true historical uh, miracles and things that he did. We continue. Made it into these scriptures.
1: These texts were declared to be sort of full of errors, and they'll lead you astray. One famous bishop calls them an abyss of madness and blasphemy against Christ.
0: Yes, and that bishop was correct. That's Elaine Pagels, who believes that these should be included in the New Testament, by the way.
1: So, these were the enemies of the early church, and Christians thought they must have horrible things in them. Different bishops believed different things. Christianity was incredibly diverse
0: in the first, second, third centuries. No, it wasn't. Christianity was not incredibly diverse. It was the faith once for all delivered to the saints. This is a patently false claim on their part. Oh, Christianity was really diverse. No, it was not. Christianity has never been diverse.
3: And they're trying to come together to hammer out just what is it that we believe? And those who had more influence, not just money, but those who had backing of political... Oh,
0: yeah. See, the reason why you have the books in the New Testament that you have is because of people who had money and political power. See, yeah, they were just suppressing the little guy. Uh huh. So you want to stick it to the Caesar man? Oh, yeah, You, you, you read those Gnostic Gospels and think that they're scripture. That's what the claim is.
3: Important political people. These guys tend to get listened to a little more than guys that are just on their own. It was a politically charged process.
1: In 367 A.D., when Archbishop Athanasius of Egypt first drew up a formal list of the books to be included in the New Testament, he declared the Gnostic texts to be heresy, and anyone daring to read them would suffer the fires of eternal damnation. The Archbishop of Egypt sent a letter to Christians all over Egypt and said, "I want you to get rid of those secret books you like so much. Now you can keep twenty-seven. Those twenty-seven are the springs of salvation."
0: Those- oh yeah, that Athanasius guy. He was just—he was just an evil, gunky head. Uh, clearly, politically motivated. Apparently, somebody was paying him off to uh, to basically restrict the canon to twenty-seven books in the New Testament. That's the way this is being told. It's a conspiracy, right? wrong. Let me remind you of a lecture that we played here at Fighting for the Faith. You can find this in the archives, the entirety of it. It's a lecture by Dr. Peter Williams of Cambridge University, and he's talking about Richard Bauckham's book, Uh, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, and explaining to us that in the New Testament, we have now Absolutely sure evidence that shows that all four Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—are eyewitness testimony, based upon the accuracy of the names, uh, popular names uh, in uh, in Judea at the time, uh, botany, uh, you know, weather patterns, uh, you know, all kinds of different things—the uh, names of cities and towns and tiny villages, walking distances and stuff like that—and when you compare. The data that we have in the Gospels compared to the Gnostic texts, the Gnostic texts fall flat on their face. Let me remind you of that lecture. Again, you can find the entirety of this lecture in the archives of Fighting for the Faith just in the search bar. Um, Type in Dr. Peter Williams. Uh, evidences of uh, you know, Gospels, eyewitnesses, just that, and you'll be able to find the lecture in its entirety. But let me play a portion of that for you so that you understand that the reason why the Gnostic texts were not included in the New Testament is because they're not based on eyewitness testimony. No apostle, uh, the, none of the real disciples or apostles of Jesus were teaching Gnosticism, and the Gnostic Gospels are fan fictions uh, based, written by people who believe that matter is evil. Here's Dr. Peter
3: Williams. Now, again, we've got another survey. We've got some surveys tonight. Uh, And one of the surveys I've got is this. Has anyone had the experience of naming a child, giving that child what they thought was an unusual name, only to find out as soon as they've named the child that lots of other children have got the same name? Okay? So we've got at least one here. Uh, We've got another one here, another one there, another one there. Yeah, okay. Um, That's right. Why is that? Because our intuitions as to what the most common names are Uh, aren't always completely reliable. So that's something that's quite common because our intuitions are just based on a smaller data sample. So even if people were making up stories in the land, they wouldn't be able to get the names in the right proportion. Back then, they didn't have any of those magazines that told you what the most common names were. Uh, So what we find is this is a remarkable thing. But the story goes on. You see, it's not just that they have the right proportion of names. They have the right features of names. You see, what happens if you call out Simon? Well, there are lots of Simons, aren't there? So then we've got to do what Wikipedia calls disambiguation. You've got to distinguish one Simon from another Simon. And you find that's what they do in the New Testament. Jesus had two of his twelve disciples called Simon. One was Simon with an extra bit peter or cephas one was simon with an extra bit the zealot or the canaanite so you've got a disambiguation and then you read other disambiguations jesus went and had a meal with someone called simon the leper but he wasn't a leper at the time because people were sitting around having a meal with him maybe jesus had healed him uh, simon of cyrene carried the cross There were lots of Simons around, so you better distinguish this one. Simon Peter in the book of Acts stayed with someone called Simon the Tanner or the Leather Worker. So you find they distinguish them. Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph. So you find that they uh, make sure that these most common names are distinguished and not the less common names. It could be adding a father's name, a job, a hometown. It doesn't matter, but you've got to do something to set them apart. Now, how could someone making up stories outside the land do that? Now, I've got another survey. Anyone here find it difficult to remember names? (laughs) We've got two honest people, three honest people, four, Any, anyone else? Come on, uh, come on, no, 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 no don't, don't be shy. Any more people, honest, um, no, no, raise hands, please. You find it difficult to remember names. Okay, yeah. Uh, now, I've forgotten so many names since I arrived here yesterday, and I have been witness to five name-forgetting events from other people where they've said, I cannot remember uh, this person, but I could tell you all sorts of things about them. You could say what car they drive, you could say how many family members they've got, you could say what state they used to live in, you know, everything you you, you could say about them except that vital piece of information you need in the social setting to introduce them. I bet you tonight, you're going to have some of you are going to have that situation. Yeah? It's gonna, it may already be happening. You're looking around, you're thinking, that person over there, I really know their name. Uh, you know, it's just on the tip of my tongue, but it's just slipped me for a moment. I know, yeah, we had a, a daughter stay in our house for, a, you know, a month. But, uh, you know, what is it? You know, names just are so forgettable. Why is it? Because usually there is no logical connection between a name and the person. So there's no logical reason for that person to have that name. And there's lots of logical reasons why that person shouldn't have that name sometimes. (laughs) So that's why we forget names. We remember things about people, but names are amongst the hardest things to remember. Stories are easy to remember. Names are hard to remember. Which means that you can watch a film. And you watch a film and you remember what everyone does. You remember what the minor characters do. Do you remember the minor characters' names? No. Do you even remember the major characters' names? Not always. You go away on holiday and you meet some people who are really interesting and you come back and you tell your friends about them. But you might even just drop out the names of these interesting people because the really interesting thing is to tell the story. So what we find is that names are one of those forgettable things that can just drop out very easily. So think about this. If the Gospels have correctly got the detail that's the hardest sort of thing to remember... Isn't there every reason to think they could get the other things right? The story bits, that who was with whom, where they went, what they did, that's easy compared with getting names right. But we're finding that they get the names right. And that, to me, suggests that we are not getting these stories fifth or sixth or 19th hand. Because if it had happened 19th hand or even fifth hand, you wouldn't get the names right. It wouldn't be happening regularly. So that just won't explain it. The only way we can get this pattern is if we have not just eyewitness testimony, but high quality eyewitness testimony. That's what we've got going on. Now I want to take this idea a little bit further. Now you've all heard, I'm sure, about apocryphal gospels, and people have said, hey, what about having some other gospels in the Bible? Well, let's just look at how they do on other names. So the Gospel of Thomas, one of the most popular uh, ones that people talk about. And you look at how does it do with Palestinian Jewish names. You know, not very well. The main character is called Didymus Judas Thomas, which means twin Judas twin, which is just not the sort of name people were called back then. Um, you could look at uh, uh, another uh, gospel, the gospel of Mary. It doesn't even call Jesus Jesus, it just calls him the saviour. It, and it's, which Mary? We have no idea. <laughs> and then you've got the gospel of Judas, which was um, published recently, and it's got two Palestinian Jewish names, you know, Jesus and Judas. And then it's got a whole load of people from outer space so that to me is not very impressive i don't look at it and think wow didn't they know the time and place really well we could take it a bit further let's look at the names in matthew take the list of the 12 disciples in matthew we find a remarkable correlation between the list of names here and uh, statistics that have just been found in the last 10 years I have put in brackets next to a name the rank of that name for Palestinian Jewish males if it is in the top 99 names. And what we find is if it's one of the more common names, it has a qualifier. If it's not one of the more common names, it does not have a qualifier. Let's go through the list. So, Simon, rank number one, qualifier, called Peter, and Andrew, not ranked, um, his brother. So, Andrew's just given with reference to Simon. James, high ranking, 11 the son of Zebedee, and John, rank five, his brother. Philip, low ranking, 61st equal, no qualifier. Bartholomew, 50th equal, low ranking, no qualifier. Thomas, not even in the top 99, low ranking, no qualifier. And Matthew, high up, rank number nine, qualifier, the tax collector. James, high ranking, 11th, the son of Alphaeus. And Thaddeus, thirty-ninth, equal, low ranking, no qualifier. Simon, ranked number one, the Canaanean. Judas, ranked number four, Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, I know there are other things going on with that list as well, but the point is this. These statistics have only been known since 2003. You see? And what we're finding is a correlation between that list of ancient names and statistics that have only been known recently. And these statistics are
0: based upon ossuaries and bones of graves of Judean men from the first century
3: that's a remarkable thing because it says to me that what we've got in this list is a a list from palestine it's a list that's formed in the land if it were made up outside the land they would have different names very soon the gospel uh, the the um apostles weren't known by those uh, original names peter just simply became known as peter not simon With the extra bit, Peter, uh, the the names actually um, develop a little bit uh, because they become more distinctive when they get outside the land. But back when we see this list, it's got exactly the right pattern for the time and place. And that's just the tip of the iceberg.
0: When you compare the data that's in the so-called Gnostic Gospels to the eyewitness testimony that we have in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the two... I mean, the, the 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 well, how do you put it? The the chasm between the two, not even evil can evil can jump it because the four gospels that we have in the New Testament, they are truly eyewitness testimony. The Gnostic gospels, total fan fiction, written by people who deny it. Uh, that um, matter is good. You, you get what I'm saying. Again, I'll put. You know what I'll do. I'll put a link. If you go to this episode of Fighting for the Faith at the Fighting for the Faith website, fightingforthefaith.com, and you find today's episode, the uh, December third, 2013 episode, I'll put a link to this lecture by Dr. Peter Williams so that you can hear it if you haven't already heard it. All right, we are up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we got a David Crank update about uh, listening to uh, subjective signals from God, the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
1: Broadcasting from his mother's basement while in a beanbag, Eating Cheetos. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
3: You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs>
5: and Hello, and uh, greetings to the Wallace Tapley Show. I'm your host, Wallace Tapley, and my official title is the only mostly accurate prophet of the end times. Uh, some of my competitors call me the second and 2 weasel of the apocalypse, but I do my best to ignore their comments of hate and derision. I, I do have an update this week. Uh, yes, uh, my direct revelations from God this week have told me something very, very special. It should be coming in right about now. Oh, this is a goodie. It reads This blessing is for a certain person who's currently living in Italy and is the owner of a bistro. It says that you'll be receiving 1 million euros! Uh, make that 500,000. Uh, 10,000! Five. Oh, um, yes, you're receiving five euros today. Ha- heaven be praised. Oh, it seems that I'm getting another download. I, I do believe that it's the results of next year's Super Bowl. Uh, this could turn out to be very profitable indeed. It says the winner of the next year's Super Bowl will be the Chicago Cubs. No, wait, that's not right. I, I mean the L.A. Lakers. No, that's not right either. I, I, I do apologize, folks. My computer suffers from Plato's tenfold error syndrome from time to time. Oh, here we go. It says handshake error. Well, that's all the time we have for today, folks. See you next time on The Wallace Stapley Show. Goodbye.
0: travel season is now upon us it came out of nowhere didn't it but listen despite the fact that it comes up so quick the last thing you want to do is pay more for airfare hotel rooms or rental cars than you need to that's why you want to utilize pirate christian radio's longtime featured advertiser cheapo air for all of your holiday travel needs visit our website first though pirate christian forward slash Cheap, And you'll find a promo code there that will help you save an additional $15 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. Write down the promo code, then click on the ad banner and book your holiday travel uh, arrangements uh, using their website. Very easy to use, very inexpensive. You save an additional $15. And by visiting our website first and then writing down that promo code, a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. So, again, PirateChristianRadio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code code, click on the ad banner, and save lots of money on your holiday travel needs.
4: Yeah! <laughs> Hooray! That was a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents.
5: Alright, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, Yay. I've always wanted new teeth. Oh, sorry, dear. I seem to have accidentally wrapped my spare (laughs) dentures. Here's your real present. Oh, look. It's a glow stick.
4: We all know how much you like Star Wars, so we got you one of those lightsaber thingies. Oh. Thanks. Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio.
0: All right, we're back. Warning: Listening to "Fighting for the Faith" could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your gnostic coven. I don't know. What are they called? You know, cohorts or yeah. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And we are in the middle of our Christmas bake sale to make our year-end budget. And uh, you can uh, visit our bake sale website where you will find beaded goodies. You know, not goodies, but, I mean, beaded items, made, handmade beaded items by my mother-in-law. Just visit fightingforthefaith.com, and at the top of the uh, the page, you'll see a link that says bake sale click on that and you can find that of course you, you know a great way to support us is to join our crew which is only $6.95 every month we're going to up that at the end of the year by the way we're going to probably raise that you know, probably to 8.95 that's something I have hate to do it, but we we need to do it because of the continued expenses that that increase here at Fighting for the Faith. And, of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute to continue to help keep us on the air, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And let me thank you, thank you, thank you for your support because we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, moving along. That's right. This is our David Crank Update music.
1: I have just closed my eyes. For the dream we the chain Try to take away my worries of today.
0: Uh, Gary Wright and Dream Weaver. Yeah, I feel like part of my job here at Fighting for the Faith is disc jockey. All right, what we're going to be listening to is um, part of a sermon about following the signals of the Spirit. You know, the Spirit will give you a red light yeah, or a green light, and maybe, or maybe a yellow light. And you're thinking, there were no stoplights when the Bible was written? What are you talking about? Well, it's not my metaphor. It's David Cranks. Here, listen in.
2: Today I want to talk to you about being led by the Spirit of God and listening to the signals that are in your heart, signals of the Spirit. This here is a red light, which means when it's red, when it's red what are you supposed to do? Stop. When it's yellow, what are you supposed to do? Anybody know? This is... Some of you all said, hurry up. <laughs> okay. Some of you all yellow you know, like me and that means hurry hurry especially at this light out on Gravoy's. that's the longest light in the world anybody agree with me you need a haircut in the middle of that light and then of course red is no yellow is woe, and green is go all the time there's signals going on on the inside of our spirit there's a horse out back Uh, If you want to go look at it, you can on a piece of property over there. Nicole and I bought this little farm behind the church prior to buying the church. And I always wanted a horse again. And um, so it's been several years. A few months ago, I asked Ashton, I said, you know, she was talking about buying a horse. And I said, hey, let's buy a horse. Let's get a horse. And her mom said, no, I don't want a horse. But we bought one anyway. I called the lady and saw it in the paper told her, you know, hey, yeah, this is a horse. Yeah, it's a very gentle horse. It's a great horse. You should buy this horse. It's so beautiful. She sent me the picture of the horse. I showed it to Ashton. I said, look at this horse. And Ashton cried. She's like, it's so beautiful. I love it. She so told the lady, I said, hey, I'll give you a couple extra hundred bucks. I don't have a horse trailer. Just bring. It. And you just wonder, what on earth does
0: this have to do with anything taught in the Bible? If the Bible really teaches that uh, we're supposed to be getting these prompts, red light, green light, yellow light, from God the Holy Spirit, wouldn't the Bible just say that? Why is he telling me a story about him buying a horse?
2: Bring it over here, tell her where the property's at. Uh, I do a Saturday night service. This is I don't even know, six, seven, eight months ago. When I'm done with the Saturday night service, I'll meet you back there, and if the horse is what you say it is, I'll buy the horse. So I go, I walk over there, and immediately the horse is just gorgeous. Blonde horse, blonde mane. Confirmation is unbelievable. She has her little granddaughter on the horse. I'm like, it's perfect. Come to find out, I don't know what she did to the horse, but I don't know if it's Jack Daniels or crack. I'm not sure. <laughs> but the horse is standing there looking like, I said, on the inside of me, I had this like no go, like, no, don't. But on the inside, I didn't listen. I thought, that's such a pretty horse. It's so nice. So she she rode it around, and I thought I'll get on the horse, and so I did. I've been throwing off a lot of horses, and, and I walked around on the horse. Oh, it's no big deal. So I shelled the money out to the lady. The next day I went to go see the horse. I'm like, oh, you know, we bought a new saddle. This is great. And the horse is like, don't you dare come at me. Anybody ever seen somebody or a horse with crazy eyes? I rode the horse. Within five minutes, the horse threw me off. I thought, no, 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 that's not the way it's going to roll. I'm going to ride the horse again because you can't let the horse win. So I rode the horse again. The horse threw me off again. This time, it cracked my neck back so far. I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. My dad always told me that it's just as cheap to to feed a good horse as a bad horse. So today I'd like to tell you that that horse is for sale if you want to buy that horse. (laughs) What's the point of the story? Each and every one of us have come across a horse, a person, a thing. And on the inside, you had the red light. Don't go. Don't go. But then you have, you say, I'll just forget that. I'm going to do what I want. And see, here's the big deal. Number one is that, number, the number one thing you got to remember is that God wants to work all things together for your good. He's got plans for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. But sometimes you get what you want, but you might not want what you get. Don't point at him right now. But in relationships, we see that. We see it in relationships. We see it in business. And so what, what do you do? Proverbs 20, verse 27 said, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Notice that's a light. What? What? <clears throat> This doesn't teach that God's going to give me red light, green light, yellow light moments. Searching the inward parts of the belly. We know another scripture says the entrance of his word brings light. We know another scripture says that God is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness at all. Yeah, and none of those verses
0: say that God's going to give me some kind of spirit prompting checks and guide me kind of Jedi style. I mean, you remember when Luke Skywalker in episode four, a new hope, you know, he's, he's flying down the trench of the death star. It's that moment. I mean, it's, it, this is do or die here. And, you know, he's got his targeting computer on and his X-wing fighter and, you know, and things are going bad because Darth Vader is, is closing in on him. And, and what is, what is uh, the, the prompting that he get? He gets a a prompting from Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, let go Luke reach out with your feelings. And what does Luke do? He turns off his targeting computer and everyone panics goes, "Ah, oh, what are you doing, Luke? Trust me, I know what I'm doing." You know, trust your feelings, Luke. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach Christians to be Jedi. Nor does it promise that these promptings that you think you're getting are from God. There may actually be just simple good physical, biological reasons why you're getting some of these checks that you're getting because it could be just good old experience. I mean, he knows about horses and so he knew there was something wrong with his horse. He wasn't paying attention so he turned off his discernment and ended up purchasing a horse that uh, in order to ride it, you have to drug it. You know, but it, that wasn't the. Ho- doesn't have to be the Holy Spirit. And you talk about women's intuition. Oftentimes, I think you can attribute it to the fact that women, what, have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand more nerve endings than guys do. You know, and they're getting a lot more data. You know, it's oh man. Again, none of these verses that he's brought up are actually teaching the thing that he's supposedly trying to teach us. Now I'm going to fast forward a little bit into the sermon. I want you to hear. Uh, a little bit more about these red light, green light promptings they're supposed to be getting.
2: Don't go, it'll save your life. I have a friend, his name's Ed Dufresne. uh, Thursday, a week ago, he was preaching in Wichita Falls, Kansas. And so he said, hey, look, I'm not going to go to Dallas till later in the day, he told his pilot. I'm going to go later in the day. The pilot said, oh, yeah, well, we can do it, whatever. They kind of put pressure on us, and I kind of want to see my friend. And they left earlier in the day. You may, you can Google it, Ed Dufresne. Within 20 minutes of the flight, the plane crashed and he died. He's gone. Great preacher, great man of God. What happened? I know for a fact there was a red light going, Ed, don't go. When you blow through red lights, you open up the door for the enemy because God knows everything. And he knows, hey, if you leave for work now, this will happen. If you, so, so apparently we got some theology
0: of premonitions going on here. But again, where are the clear passages that say that that's God, the Holy Spirit? You wait a few minutes. Now, by the way, that's not to say that God, the Holy Spirit can't do these things. It's that he's not actually building an affirmative case based on any clear
2: passages that say we should expect this. This will happen. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you all the time. But if you, like these guys, you don't believe the prophet, you believe a person. A person can talk you into or out of anything. Well, I think you ought Now, this is interesting. I mean,
0: for instance, Romans chapter 2 talks about the fact that we all have a conscience that convicts us of our sins. And the job of the Holy Spirit, by the way, is to convict the, sin of, uh, the world of sin and unbelief. But n- nowhere does it say, yo, know, that the Holy Spirit's going to be inside of you saying, take the three o'clock train rather than the two uh, Nowhere does it promise that that's going to be the
2: case. It's a good horse. Now, I still have the horse because I'm an animal lover and I love him. I'm like, I don't want to get rid of the horse. I mean, the horse is sweet. And it goes said, get rid of the horse. I said, No, we need to buy a couple more horses. The horse is lonely. In fact, maybe the behavioral problems of the horse is because it's lonely. Look at you without me. She goes, well, if we buy another horse, God knows you're not going to be the one to pick it out because you don't know how to buy a horse. (laughs) Well, she's got a point. (laughs) Nothing's better than, you know, if you got one horse, might as well have two, right? Three or four. But the Spirit of God is on the inside of you and I. Yes, we do have the
0: Holy Spirit inside of us. But it doesn't promise, nowhere in Scripture does it promise, because we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that our lives are going to be led Jedi-style,
2: leading us in the way that you should go. Now, I want you to say this with me just out loud. It's good for you. Shall I will listen to my heart, not my flesh, because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Now, I'm going to continue a little bit to prove to you
0: that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking to him. You'll see here in a second.
2: Now, I, I didn't give the scripture to the team, but I just, I just pulled it up. Isaiah 48, 17, if you're a note taker, write it down. Phenomenal. Thus saith the Lord. It's God talking. The Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to prosper, check this out, and leadeth you in the way that you should go. I'll teach you to prosper. Yeah,
0: the fact that God promises to lead us, does not he's not promising to give us promptings, red light, green light, yellow light. You're reading that into the text. That's called eisegesis. You're twisting God's word. If you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, don't you think the Holy Spirit would be saying,
2: hey, stop twisting my word? but it gets worse and I'll lead you in the way that you should go. When you're led of God and you hear in your spirit, don't go, stay away from them, don't do it. Next one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I should do. What should you do when you don't know what to do? Chill. Wait. I have a situation right now that I made a series of a lot of big decisions. There's millions of dollars involved in about... Four decisions that I had to make within three or four days during those decisions, about four, that might have been four or five months ago now. Yeah.
0: Notice he's holding himself up as the example to be followed.
2: When I made those decisions, I think I made all of them right. But one looking back at it, I said, Nicole, I'm not sure I like that decision. She said, I think you made the right decision. No, you need to – I like it. I like the decision. Inside my spirit, I tried to allow her to talk me into I made the right decision, but let me tell you something. Down deep in my heart, I know I didn't make the right decision.
0: Yeah, but she said that she felt that you did make the right decision. Doesn't the Holy Spirit dwell in your wife? Which – who was hearing from the Holy Spirit? You or Nicole. Weird, now we got subjective dueling uh, personal revelations.
2: It was the wrong decision. And what do I do, sit in the dirt and eat worms? I just made a bad decision. No, that's not bad. When you make a wrong decision, turn around. When Jonah had a red light, don't go to Tarshish. He didn't have a
0: red light telling him don't go to Tarshish. He had a direct word from the Lord telling him to go to Nineveh, and he didn't want to obey the Lord. Good night. Now you're twisting God's word again. Don't you think if you had the Holy Spirit on the inside of you prompting you that he'd be telling you, knock that off, stop twisting my word? Go to Nineveh.
2: But he went ahead and talked himself into it, and he went the other way. He got swallowed by a great whale. Now, the good thing is, is God saved him. But how many are like me, and you don't have any interest in being in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, even though if it's all expenses paid? I, I, I don't want to do it
0: yeah and he, like I said, he twisted the story he, don't isn't the Holy Spirit telling you to stop doing that?
2: so God prepared a way of escape, so today, even on the front row, and this is why it's so important to go to church when they were singing, You make all things work together for my good. I was thinking about that decision. you make. All things work together for my good. God, I am you that you're going to turn that around and you're going to set me up to where I come out smelling like a rose. You made, I'm not worried about the horse decision. I'm talking... This is a major decision right here. I'm going to try to sell the horse to Pastor Phil. You make all things... How many of y'all think they'd be good for him? He needs a horse and ponies and kids. It's, So you don't cry about the wrong decision, but you learn in life and you go, wait a minute. He, Isaiah 48, 17, he leadeth me in the way that I should go and he teaches me to profit. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, not their flesh, are the sons of God. Now, when God leads you, Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me, shout that with me. He what? Yeah, again, all of these
0: verses are ripped out of context and they do not teach us to expect Jedi style internal
2: promptings. One more time, it feels good. What? He leadeth me. He leadeth me in the way that I should go. He leadeth me to what? Green pastures still waters when we lit ourselves, we're in hot waters crazy pastures what do i do i'm in a mess i'm confused now all of my lights are on pastor what do i do well i'm glad you're here today because i'm going to help get your lights out
0: <laughs> oh, gonna,
2: i can't wait to hear this advice he's going to help us get our lights out got to knock your lights out right here. <laughs> we're going to just start taking them one at a time and we'll go okay if it's god today it's god tomorrow i don't have to do that I'm gonna keep worshiping God, he's gonna work it all out. All things work together for my good. And then you have technical difficulties like this one. Now, I don't like this one. Demon-possessed little light. You get it turned off one at a time.
0: Yeah, his prop stopped working.
2: Now I believe in the power of confession.
0: Oh, good. So you believe in the power of confessing our sins. You know, you you mean Like scripture says in 1 John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that what you mean by the power of confession? No. Listen in.
2: Each and every day, I believe in getting up and saying... I believe today that I'm going to make more right decisions than wrong decisions. God, I thank you that you're on my side. Your blood has been applied. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me will prosper today. I decree and declare today that people look at me and like me. So he's into the word
0: of faith, positive confession, heresy. That's what that is. And yet he claims that the Holy Spirit's inside of him prompting him. But he's a heretic. And he's all about himself. And he believes that his words create reality. That's why he confesses these things, these wonderful things about himself, rather than confessing his sin.
2: I thank you that I'm making more money on accident than most people do on purpose. God, I thank you that all the right people are coming into my life and all the wrong people are exiting my life. God, I thank you that I have good breaks that are coming to me. Unusual opportunities. Supernatural breakthrough. God, I want to use my life to change life. God, I thank you that I love to drink water and green smoothies. I don't like eating pizza and drinking Diet Coke. God, I thank you that you're satisfying my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out and everything my hand touches turns to good. God, I thank you that I'm favored in your eyes. God, I decree and declare today that all things are working together for my good. God, I decree and declare that all the people at my church are blessed. God, our parking lot is not only paved with new asphalt because it needs it. God, there's all kinds of beautiful cars out there. People that were coming into church in junk cars are now driving in in good cars. God, and they're, all their bills are paid and they live in great houses and they're highly favored. I pray that each and every day. Why? Because I believe in the power of God. Of what you say,
0: mm-hmm. in other words, he just confessed that he's a word of faith, positive confession heretic. So he doesn't hear from the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit prompting him. That, by the way, that wasn't even a biblical teaching that we heard. And nowhere, nowhere in the Bible do we have examples of anybody—not Moses, not any of the prophets, not any of the apostles, not Jesus Himself—standing in front of a mirror and declaring and decreeing positive things for their lives because they believe their words create reality. Yeah, that's a heresy taught uh, going all the way back to TBN type preachers. That's where that comes from. All right. We are off on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. We've got a brand new church to throw into our sermon review mix. It's Freedom Worship Center out there in Illinois. Stay tuned. We will be
1: right back. Sissyopified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
0: Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents "Death of a Salesman." Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I
5: interest you in some? (laughs) You're listening to Byron Christian Radio.
0: The holiday travel season is now upon us. It came out of nowhere, didn't it? But listen, despite the fact that it comes up so quick, the last thing you want to do is pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. That's why you want to utilize Pirate Christian Radio's longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air, for all of your holiday travel needs. Visit our website first, though, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap and you'll find a promo code there that'll help you save an additional $15 off the cheapo airs already low prices. Write down the promo code then click on the ad banner and book your holiday travel uh, arrangements uh, using their website. Very easy to use, very inexpensive you save an additional $15 and by visiting our website first and then writing down that promo code a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. So again piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code Code, click on the ad banner and save lots of money on your holiday travel needs.
4: Yeah! <laughs> Hooray! That was a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents.
5: All right, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, Yay, I've always wanted... It's a Star Trek uniform, but it's red. What are you trying to say? It was the only colored wool fabric I had. Try it on. It's, uh, really itchy.
4: Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knock Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio.
0: Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. We're going to be reviewing a sermon from a church we've never reviewed a sermon from before. Details forthwith. But let's do this right. The bad the ugly we review it all here at fighting for the faith more and equal opportunity sermon reviewing service today's uh, sermon comes to us via freedom worship Center in Granite City Illinois Larry cook presiding the name of the sermon we're going to be reviewing is entitled hold on to your word your word that's kind of the the uh, important word there. Your, 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 not the word, not Jesus, but your word. This kind of builds off of the false teaching that we were just listening to from faith church in St. Louis. You know, apparently God, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you on all kinds of things. You know, God's got a word for you about your successful business, about your family and stuff like that. This is kind of like the word of faith, um, heresy, um, without the spit polish. This is what it sounds like when it gets down into um, regular-sized churches, if you know what I mean. Let me go ahead and kill the music, and without any further ado, here's Pastor Larry Cook and his sermon, Hold On To Your Word, with complete allegorizing of a biblical story. Listen in.
6: So I, I want to share with you this morning about holding on to your word. How many's ever been given a word, and uh, God just spoke to your heart in that word, And uh, it seems like
0: so you've been given a word. God's spoken to your heart. Mm -hmm. Already, we got a problem. If we want to hear God speaking, what do we need to do? We need to open our Bibles and read it. That's how God speaks to us.
6: Um, You've not seen that word come to pass, or you're still uh, in the holding process for that word. But I've come by here this morning to encourage you to tell you that if you've been given a word, all you can take it to the bank, it will come to pass. Amen? How- yeah, this
0: sounds like the kind of message uh, by somebody who probably is taking advantage of people in the lower income brackets. That's what this sounds like to me.
6: Look with me at Luke chapter 8. Very familiar passage of scripture very familiar passage of scripture if you've been around the church for any length of time at all it's the story of where um jesus and the disciples were in the boat crossing to the other side because jesus was going over there to minister amen and uh so i just want to start in in luke 8 verse 22 if you're there say i'm there if you're not,
0: just look up here, we'll help. Now, watch what he does with this. It's, a, it's going to be an allegorizing of a historical narrative. You really want to avoid doing this, although the Apostle Paul does this in the book of Galatians regarding the story of Abraham and Ishmael and Sarah and Isaac. But remember, Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so you got to be real careful when you allegorize it. You, um, in fact, 99.9999999999% of the time, you're going to allegorize the biblical text. You're going to end up twisting it like this guy.
6: Uh, Luke 8.22, it said, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Everybody say launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And then a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling, with wa- and were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Verse 20.
0: Now, what does this story have to do with you apparently receiving a direct revelation from God, a direct word in your heart? Answer, absolutely nothing. In fact, if we just look at the context of Luke chapter 8, I mean, it doesn't say anything here about you receiving a direct word from God or holding on to your word or anything like that. In fact, um, Jesus tells a few parables prior to this. Let me, In fact, let me read uh, the context of Luke chapter 8 so we can uh, see what's going on. I'll start at verse 4. Here's what it says. And when a great crowd was gathered, and people from town after town came to hear Jesus, he said in a parable A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed some, and some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil and grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. He called out, He who has an ear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for the others they are in parables so that seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Now, this parable is this The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So, okay, this is, so somebody comes to preach God's word. In other words, Bible, right? That's where we get the seed of the word of God is the Bible. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word "'Hold fast to it in an honest and good heart, "'and they bear fruit with patience. Not one of, not one of, "'No one, after lighting a lamp, "'covers it with a jar and puts it under a bed, "'but puts it on a stand "'so that those who enter may see the light. "'For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, "'nor is anything secret that will not be known "'to come to light. "'Take care, then, how you hear, "'for to the one who has, more will be given, "'and from the one who has not, "'even what he thinks he has will be taken away.' So then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My brother, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, where do we find this word of God? This, is not, this isn't talking about direct revelation. The word of God that's being referred to here is the written word of God preached to you taught to you so that you may listen, repent, and be saved. Now we get to Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now one day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they went, they set out, and they sailed, and he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm, and he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who is this that he even commands the winds and the water? And they obey him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> pretty straightforward text. The punchline of the story is that they trusted Christ because he has power over the winds and the waves. We continue with the sermon. So now that you know the context from uh, Luke 8, let's see what he does with it.
6: But he said to them, where is your faith? Everybody say that with me. Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. Amen. I want to stop right there, and I want to share with, share with you a subject this morning. Hold on to your word. Say that with me. Hold on to your word. Say it again. A- your word. Strange, isn't it? Your word. Hold on to your word. Now watch this. We find here in our text we read from this morning. That Jesus went into a ship with his disciples. The ship, now watch, the ship represents your life. No, it doesn't. You cannot allegorize this text. This
0: is a historical narrative. You cannot allegorize this to say the ship is your life. That's just a complete twisting of this passage. This, this story was not told to you so that you can allegorize this ship and turn it into your life. That's not why the story is told. The reason why the story is told is because, well, you know what they did? They actually got into a boat on the Sea of Galilee. They were crossing the sea. The winds got out of control. Things were going crazy. Jesus was asleep. They woke him up, and you know what he did? He said, Be quiet. And the winds and the waves ceased, and they marveled at Jesus and who he was, asking, Who is. Who, who is this guy that even the winds obey him, right? That's what the story is about. This is not some allegory about
2: you.
6: Your destination. The ship represents the course of your life. Ronnie Henson wrote a song a, a few years ago that had a line in it that said, The soul of a man is like a ship that
0: yeah ronnie henson um he's not a biblical exegete and that song's not about this passage
6: on the sea of time when jesus entered into the ship he changed the course he gave them a purpose and a destination now look up here i want you to understand something this morning when jesus gives you a word you wonder why Jesus could, in this passage, and I'm going to get into it a little bit, why? Yeah, I get lots
0: of words from Jesus from the written Bible, from the New Testament. Have you heard of it? Just
6: put them on the ship and then go to a place there and take a nap and, and was asleep. And all of a sudden, the storm arose. And you know the story that happened uh, that we just read from here. Why could he do that? I want you to understand something this morning. This is in my spirit deep. When God gives you a word, you can rest assured the word is going to come to pass. And understand also... That-
0: and how do you know that it's a word from God and not just some piece of undigested beef that's wreaking havoc through your adrenal glands? Or how do you know that you're actually hearing from God and not a demon? How do you know you're hearing from God and not in it rather than... You know, like your own sinful flesh and desires. Hmm?
6: Jesus could go rest and go to sleep because he wasn't concerned about his word. He wasn't concerned about them reaching their destination because, oh, I'm telling you, he is word. And when he speaks that word, you can understand and realize, you can rest assured that it's going to happen. Can I get an amen?
0: I just want you. Yeah, what you're saying has nothing to do with the story. It has nothing to do with the text that you're preaching from.
6: Morning. Is there anybody here that remembers when Jesus got into your ship? Amen. Hallelujah.
0: It... Jesus got into my ship? What are you
6: talking about? Here that remembers when he changed your course of your life. Amen. You were lost. You were drifting. You were bound. You were on your way to a devil's hell. But one day you found your way to an old-fashioned altar and Captain Jesus came on board. Hallelujah. He washed you in his blood delivered you, put his spirit in you. He anointed you and he gave you purpose. He gave you a destination. Now watch.
0: Yeah, that destination is his kingdom. I'm just a sojourner here in this life, like the rest of you.
6: As soon as Jesus entered the ship, he gave them a word. He said, let's cross over, cross over to the other side. That word was prophetic. Prophetic. That word carried the spirit of. That word was prophetic? What are you talking about? Which biblical scholars are you reading? Within it, Jesse. It carried the spirit of destiny within it. The word you said you're going somewhere, somewhere in that word. The word that came forth said, told that his disciples, you're headed somewhere, you're going somewhere. Has anybody got a word that said you're going somewhere? Has anybody got a word that has pointed you towards something greater than you have now? Hallelujah. Has anybody got a word that stirs your faith, wakes you up in the morning, and carries you through the day? Hallelujah. Tell the person beside you this morning, you got a word. Tell them.
0: Yeah, notice, this is not teaching you to have faith in the word Jesus or in him. His word, the written word. Oh, but you got a word. You got this, this supposed weird, you know, direct revelation thingy promise. Oh, of purpose and destiny and stuff like that. Now your eyes are taken off of Christ and are firmly put on you.
6: Listen, you got a word of destiny that assured you of his presence at work and in operation within your life. Listen to the pastor this morning. When God gives you a word, it carries with it, brother Jim, His presence. Hallelujah!
0: I said. Yeah, I, I understand. You keep saying Hallelujah. What Bible verse says that? I I need to see chapter and verse, please.
6: You a word, brother Bob? It carries with it His presence. Hallelujah! Get a hold of that this morning. Let that get down in your spirit. Glory to God. The disciples got a word, a purpose. That assured them of their destination, the word made them unsinkable. I said the word that God spoke, Jesus spoke when they entered that ship made them unsinkable. Tell your neighbor, hold on to your word, tell him again hold on to- so jesus prophetic word made them unsinkable. that
0: was weird because at the end of the story, they marveled at who Jesus was, not some unsinkable word strange isn 't it? like totally missing the whole point of the passage. Again, false teachers, false prophets cause you to trust in lies.
6: It didn't say the word guarantees you that you won't have some things happen in your life. How many's ever had some turbulent time in your life? If you don't raise your hand and say that you have, you're lying in church. We'll pray for you after a while. Amen, brother, buddy. Because if you've been around at all, if you've been in life, there's been some turbulent times. There's been some times, uh, maybe it's through the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's something that took place within your life. But I'm telling you, things happen. Stuff happens within our life. And you'll never have to go. Now, understand, there's no guarantee that you'll never have to go through storms once you find Jesus. Amen? I said the Word will carry you through the storm. The Word will hold you up. The word will make you unsinkable. None of us would be here this morning if it hadn't been for... Make me unsinkable.
0: We're not trusting in Christ now. Our trust is in some subjective word that we're supposed to have received.
6: Lord, amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The enemy would have killed me, but I had a word. Brother Jeff, I had a word. The enemy would have killed you, but you had a word. Debt would have sunk a lot of us, but we had a word. Family turmoil and strife would have capsized a lot of our vessels, but we had a word.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah. This is taking your eyes off of the word, and truly hearing the word of God, the Bible, and trusting in some subjective thing that you're supposed to have received. You are totally having your faith off of the right object and put onto a false object that cannot save you or make you unsinkable or promise you any of the things that he's promising. This is
4: horrible.
6: On our integrity and on our character would have drowned us in a sea of despair. Oh, but we had a word. Depression, fear, anxiety would have swallowed us up, but we had a word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you take nothing else of what I'm saying this morning, take this.
0: Again, this has all the hallmarks of a guy who's basically taking advantage of people in the lower economic echelons of the U.S. economy. That's what this sounds like to me.
6: Right now, hold on to your word. Glory to God. Your word makes you fireproof. Hear me. I said the word makes you fireproof. Your word makes you invincible. Your word makes you unsinkable.
0: Makes you, you invincible, you unsinkable, you, you, you. No, you are in Christ if you are a Christian, and he's the one who is unsinkable, unstoppable. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is God, not you.
6: at Isaiah 43 and 2, it tells us this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Amen. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Amen. The devil says you're going to die. The doctor's report says incurable, terminal. Do- yeah, if
0: your doctor says that you have terminal cancer and you're going to die, that's not the devil telling you that. That's a doctor who is doing his good vocation in serving you, telling you to get your affairs in order because your sojourn here on this planet is about to come to an end. That's not a word from the devil. That's reality. We continue.
6: Uh, a, a few months ago, and you know that, the, the, the doctors um, had done the surgery, and I, I, I literally did, did not expect what I was about to endure over the past few months, and I went through some stuff, and I'm telling you, um, the, the doctors had me heavily medicated, and I was on. If I called you during that time and I said something stupid to you, I apologize to you, because it may have happened. In fact, it very well could have happened to some of you, and I apologize for that. Amen. But I want you to understand and realize, this morning I'm here because I'm holding on to my word. Hallelujah! I got a word. I said I got a
0: word. You're there because you are holding on to your word. What was that word? Apparently, wow, it made you invincible, fireproof, and completely oblivious to you know any real medical setbacks.
6: I said I have a word. Hallelujah. In fact, the word of God says in Psalm 118, verse 17, it says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. The word of God also says,
0: better not die. It's against God's will. And you'll go to hell if you do it.
6: Three and five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, we might be healed. Yeah, this is a
0: famous word of faith heresy twisting of uh, Isaiah 53. By his stripes, we are healed is what the punchline is. And he's saying, oh, might be healed. See, there it is, promise of perfect health and perfect wealth. No, it's not promising that at all. Because, you know, you read about, you know, was it Timothy who was having a stomach ailment? And what what did Paul say to him? Oh, come on, Timothy, by his stripes, we're healed. You shouldn't be having a stomach ailment. No, he said, take some wine for your stomach. That's what he said. And when somebody's sick, you you, know, you go and you lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and pray for them, because Isaiah fifty three does not promise you perfect health with this body that's dying. In fact, one of the major problems of the word of faith heresy is what some people have described as an overrealized eschatology, uh, an eschatology that takes promises regarding our resurrected bodies and applying them to these mortal bodies of ours that are going to die and be put into a box six feet under. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. This is a twisting Isaiah of Isaiah 53. It does not promise you health now. In fact, which of the apostles are alive to this day? None of them. Hmm. How about the Christians from a hundred years ago? Are they still alive? No, they're not. Why is that? Because we all die
6: be healed we are healed come on somebody help me praise him this morning if you believe that the devil comes to you and says you'll never see those children if you're saved you're wasting your time praying for them they're never going to serve the lord but the word of god says in isaiah 53 and verse 13 all everybody shout all 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 your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Hallelujah.
0: Acts- and when you look at Isaiah, that portion of Isaiah 53 in context, that's talking about the children that God gives to Jesus.
6: 14 in your Bible says, who, who will tell your words by which you and all your household will be saved. Hold on to your word. Hallelujah. Now watch this, look up here, watch this. Here are the disciples of Jesus sailing in the power of their word. Then as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And the Bible says that we read from this morning, there arose a storm and came down a storm upon them. A violent attack of the wind. Literally, it was though they had a bullseye on them and the storm violently began to attack the ship that they were on waves began to pour over and the storm, the wind was, was high and they were scared. It launched against them to destroy them, to sink them. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever felt like there was a bullseye on your back and the devil had singled you out? Anybody ever felt that way this morning? Come on, be honest. We're in church. And it's like he is concentrating extra measures. Boy, I know what I'm saying this morning. An extra opposition, an extra weapon he's, he's brought against you. Anybody ever felt that way? I remember in high school. How many can remember back to high school? Hallelujah. <laughs> Been a long time for me. But I remember in high school, some of the upper classmates would play tricks on the lower classmen, the freshmen especially. One of their favorites was to tape a sign on the back of the freshman that said, kick me. Anybody ever had one of them signs applied to your back? And after three or four good swift kicks, the freshman would figure it out. Something was drawing this unwanted attention to them. Amen. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that? That there was a target on you? And it was drawing all the unwanted attention was unleashed upon you? How many's ever felt like the forces of hell was, had come against you and was battling you strongly? Amen. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Have you ever felt like the devil had called all the little imps off and he'd sent out the big dogs after you? If the answer is yes, you ought to be shouting. And praising God, because the devil wouldn't be concerned so much and concentrate his energy upon you and his resources on you if you weren't a threat to him, Pastor Bobby. Hallelujah. The devil heard
0: you. Oh, yeah. See, you're you're such a huge threat to the <sighs> The Devil buffets and persecutes everybody who is baptized and trusts in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. This is what he does. He is opposed to God and to Christ and to those who preach, teach, and confess him. This is what happens to all Christians because the devil cannot stand God or anybody who's associated with him.
6: When you got a word, guess what? The devil heard that word also. He knows you're... And what Bible verse says that?
0: No, that's right. You're not really actually preaching the Bible, are you?
6: Something. Tell the person beside you, I'm on, look out, I'm on my way to something. That's what keeps me moving. That's what keeps me here. That's why I'm here this morning, because I've had a word, and it keeps me going, it keeps me moving. Has it come to complete pass?
0: God doesn't sustain you. No, you have a word that's sustaining you. Your word that's sustaining you, not God. Yep, false object of
6: faith. No, I'm on my way to my destiny. I'm on my way to what God has promised me. And guess what? You are too. I don't care if you're 10 or 110. God has a destiny and a purpose for you. Mm-hmm. everybody say mm-hmm. so this is like the purpose driven word of faith heresy got it okay man listen you're not going through the storm for nothing I said you're not going through the storm for nothing Judy you're not going through the storm for nothing hallelujah yes. Randy yeah, you, though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death you're not doing it for nothing the fight isn't about who you are today. Come on. I said the fight isn't about who you are today or where you are today. Oh, listen, the fight is about your word. The fight is about your day.
0: And then when you go about your life, continuing to live in your normal vocation, doing your normal work, and then you finally get that report from the doctor that says, yes, yes, the test results came back as cancer and you're going to die, get your affairs in order and you get sicker and sicker and sicker and you're sitting on your deathbed, you're going to despair and you're going to think that God doesn't love you or that you've done something wrong because you'll remember this passage, this message by uh, pastor Larry who told you that, Oh, you you you're, you're, you're dangerous to the devil. And you'll look back on your life and say, there was nothing that I did that was dangerous to the devil. None of this, Ever took place, I must have done something wrong. God hates me and doesn't love me, and then you will die in unbelief. That's what's so dangerous about this kind of preaching. It's not true. It's not true, and it causes you to trust in something other than your crucified and risen Savior. And it causes you to trust a word other than the written word of God.
6: The fight is about where you're going and what you're getting ready to do. Can I get an amen up in this house? Oh, now look up here. Watch this. The greater the storm of your life means you're closer to your destiny than you've been. And you're on the edge. Really?
0: Really? Uh What passage in the Bible says that? Again,
6: none. Greatest breakthrough of your life. I'm on the greatest breakthrough of my life. And you are too. Amen. Look at Joseph as an example of what I'm talking about this morning. Joseph's brothers wanted him dead, not just because he was their father's favorite, but because he had a dream. He had a word, a destiny, he had a future. And as long as you ain't got nothing and don't want nothing, you have no dreams, you have no vision, you have no passion, you have no aspirations to go anywhere or do anything, then you got a lot of friends, amen, but as soon as you start dreaming of a better tomorrow, as soon as you start prophesying your destiny and it 's bigger than your friends can see it 's bigger than you can ha- they can handle and, they-
0: and this is a narcissistic isagittical way of reading yourself in the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph is not about. Your dreams and your visions, or anything of the sort, you're not called to do the
6: things that Joseph has done. Discourage you? They'll try to talk you out of your destiny. Come on, somebody! I'm preaching way better than you're shouting up in this house. People are either winding your sails or weight around your neck. Did you hear what I said? People are either... So along with this teaching
0: comes the idea that you need to despise and get rid of anybody who would talk sense to you about your nonsensical so-called dream and vision you think you have for your life.
6: ...sails are their weight, Sister Eileen, around your neck. These disciples were moving in their word. They were sailing across the water in the spirit of destiny and purpose, and they were attacked.
0: Sailing across the water in the sea of destiny and purpose... Yeah, um, it's right next to the land called Annalie. Yeah, where Puff the Magic Dragon stays, by the way.
6: If you ever set out to do anything for God, and if you ever get bold enough to launch into your word and work out and walk out your destiny, you're going to be attacked. Amen. Amen. Physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally. Why? Because you're dangerous. You're a threat to hell. Your dreams make you dangerous. Your word makes you Your dreams make you dangerous. Oh man.
0: The delusions of grandeur doesn't even come close to describing the
6: nonsense that
0: we're hearing here.
6: Can I get an amen this morning? Our word makes us a target for the enemy. Amen. And puts us in his line of fire. But here's the part that makes it really hard, even for the most spiritual, most anointed, most mature believer. Amen. Look at verse 23. Jesus fell asleep. Have you ever felt like God did this?
0: Jesus fell asleep on on the sea of purpose and destiny?
6: Oh, no. Your life stirred you up, gave you the great powerful word of destiny. And then he just went to sleep, Gina, and he forgot about you. Anybody ever felt that way? Where's God in this? Come on, somebody. Be honest. We're in church. He just laid there and let the devil beat up on you. That's that's sometimes you feel that way. Let people lie on you. He's taking a nap. He's in the boat. He's asleep. Let people lie on you, cheat you. Persecute you, criticize you, falsely accuse you. Anybody ever been falsely accused? i got both hands up. Steal from you. Anybody ever had the enemy steal something from you? Ignore you, overlook you, underestimate you. Come on, I'm trying to talk to some real people in the house. I want to talk to some people that will just tell the truth. Just because you have a word doesn't mean you won't ever have any trouble. Because you're trying to get to that work, that place, that destiny, that place that God has called you to, and the enemy's not going to take that line down. Understand that this morning. Doesn't mean that God is going to wrap you in cotton so you never get hurt. Come on, on. In fact, the more anointed you are. And the more destiny you embrace, the more focused you become on fulfilling your purpose, the greater the... The more anointed you
0: are. Apparently now you're the Messiah because that's what the anointed one is. The, the Hebrew of Mashiach, the uh, Greek word Christos, means anointed one. Now you're the anointed one. You're the one with purpose. You're the one with destiny. Rather than the one who needs to be rescued, redeemed, saved... By the the real anointed one, Jesus, no, you are so important. Oh, you're a threat to the devil and all that kind of stuff. The demons are over in the corner snickering at the
6: nonsense going, oh, man, I can't believe anyone's believing this stuff. Hell that you are. And the greater the attacks upon you. Joseph was anointed. Joseph was favored by God. We know the story of Joseph. And repeatedly, the Bible said, the Lord was with Joseph. Well, if the Lord was with Joseph, why didn't God stop his brothers from stripping him out of his coat and throwing him into a pit? We sang a song about the pit this morning. How many's ever felt like you've been thrown in the pit? Why didn't God stop Potiphar's... potiphar's lust filled wife from lying on joseph and destroying his character and integrity in the eyes of potiphar and his whole house why did god let the butler forget joseph for two long full long years after joseph interpreted his dream and the dream came to pass was god on vacation was he asleep It was all part of making Joseph the kind of man that God would trust with the dream that he gave him. Some Gary preached here a while back about being on the potter's wheel. God is shaping us. God is molding us. And listen, if God has given you a word... You need to hold on to that word because you're still on the potter's wheel and he's shaping you and he's, he's, he's causing you to be prepared to come into your purpose, to come into your destiny. You're on your way. Listen, stop letting the devil beat you up. You're on your way to your purpose. I wish I could run because I would right now. Hallelujah. Listen, 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 listen.
0: Sounds to me like the purpose of their lives is to serve as a warning to real Christians.
6: Hey, God gave Joseph the dream. The dream never changed from the day. God gave you your word, Gina, about that restaurant. God's words never changed. Come on from the day God gave Joseph the dream, but the dreamer went through a process of refining to bring him to the place that he was qualified to live the dream. God qualifies us. Tell your neighbor I'm in process.
5: Yeah, he does
0: qualify us to the shed blood of Christ and the imputed righteousness of Jesus, mm-hmm, but that's not what you're talking about, now, is it?
6: Tell him I'm in, I'm on the wheel. Listen, I know this morning, Brother Bob, that God never sleeps. Look at Psalm one twenty four and five. You don't, or 20, 121 and verse four. I'm sorry, one twenty one and verse four. It says, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. How many knows God's awake? <laughs> I said God is awake. I know God never sleeps, but I promise you there will be times in your life when it feels like God is in such a deep slumber that nothing can wake him. Tell your neighbor, it's just part of the process. Hallelujah. Some of you I'm talking to right now, you have felt like God just went to sleep and let the devil have his way with you. And to tell the truth, it looks to you like and feels to you like you're further away from your word than you've ever been before, Sister Sherry. How many feels like that? That you're further
0: further away from your word. You know, that word that God gave you regarding you opening up a restaurant, you changing the world, you whatever your dream is. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach this. Nowhere
6: word that God has promised you than you've ever been, Sister Faye, that you feel you're further away from it. But I came by here on this Sunday morning in November to tell you and remind you that God never sleeps. He's not forgotten you. His eyes are on the sparrow. His eyes are on you every minute of every day. He's been... Now, this is true.
0: God's eyes are on you. But the emphasis of this message... Is the wrong emphasis. That's right. God is always with you, even in your darkest hour, and he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. He is not asleep. He is with you. There's not a place that you can go. You can't hide from God in the depths of Sheol. You cannot hide from God under a rock or in a tree. Everywhere you go, he is right there with you. And this is comforting words. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is with us. He's there to sustain us and comfort us and be be there to protect us in time of need. But he's also the one who sees us through our darkest moments, including our own death. These are comforting words when you understand them rightly. But the way this man's preaching them, it's complete and utter nonsense, devoid of the real promises of God, getting you to trust in false subjective promises that really aren't from God at all.
6: Through the process He's been in charge Of the temperature His hand is on The thermostat Come on somebody Help me this morning Praise Him Hallelujah 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 Glory to God He's been controlling The speed of the wheel The whole time He saw that storm coming Before it got to you And He filtered it Through His hands of love And He predetermined That this storm Was not going to kill you. I'm going to go back to what brother Bob says a lot. And I love this. And I'm learning to stand upon this. You got something going on. And you have a destiny. And you can understand that you're on your way. And you're in process. You can praise your way out of any situation. Amen. He predetermined that the storm was not going to sink you. He's predetermined that the storm was not going to destroy you. Amen. Before you ever entered the battle, watch, look up here. Before you ever entered the battle, he predetermined that you had, that you had everything you need to conquer. Amen. Sister Lynn, to conquer. Hallelujah. How many knows we can conquer? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Hallelujah. You have everything you need to put to put you over and, and come out on top. Hallelujah. How many of those God's kids always come out on top if we, if we allow it to be so? How could
0: God's kids always come out on top if we allow it to be so? Who's the sovereign in that sentence? You are.
6: Through the same storm that threw these disciples into panic. The answer is watch this. He believed the word that he spoke, he knew the word that came out of his mouth had the power to take them through anything. He knew that his word could not come back void, but it would accomplish that which he promised. Somebody here this morning may be going through the storm of your life in your finances, but you believe the word. You're going through the greatest fire of your life. Yeah, you
0: believe some subjective word you're supposed to have received. Oh, yeah, you're going through the storm of your life and your finances. And if things don't work out, what are you going to believe? Then you are not worthy. You haven't done what's right. You don't have enough faith. God is against you, not for you. This is the kind of thing that causes you to look at your temporal circumstances to determine whether or not God loves you.
6: Mm, that's me, but I believe my word. You're fighting for your children. They seem further away than they've ever been. But Cheryl, believe your word. Hallelujah. The Bible says they woke Jesus up. In other words, they went back to the word. (laughs) Well, if you get a hold of this, it'll bless you. The Bible says they went and they woke Jesus up. They went back to their word. They went back to John 1 and 1 where it says, Brother Jesse, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Watch this.
0: And-, and now he's playing with a different deck. He's changing the meaning of the word, Word, in order to do kind of a play on words and continue to blur this teaching rather than a, giving us a sound, exegetical understanding of this text.
6: The Word was God. What did the disciples do? They went back to the Word. Mm. Everybody say mmm again John 1 14 says And the word became flesh And dwelt among us And we beheld his glory And the glory is of the only begotten of the father Full of grace and truth Can I get a witness in this house? Hallelujah I don't care what the enemy's doing this morning or trying to do. It doesn't matter what the storm is or the test or the trial is. It doesn't matter how hot the fire is or how high the flames are or how deep the water is. The answer is the same. Hold on to your word. Hallelujah. Get back to your word. Your word.
0: Not the word. Your word. Is just
6: ugh, terrible. True. Hallelujah. Matthew twenty four and thirty-five declares Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will be no by no means pass away.
0: Yeah, that's referring to the written word of God.
6: And then Psalm one nineteen verse, verse eighty nine says this one nineteen verse eighty nine Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Get back to your word. Take that word. How can you read a
0: passage like that and then say, turn right around and say, get back to your word. It should be get back to the word.
6: Get a weapon. Use it on the enemy. Tell him, say, devil, I'm on my way to my destiny. I'm on my way to my purpose. I'm on my way to where God has called me to. Amen. Take the word. Use it. God didn't give you that word just to be a soft pillow for your head. He gave you that word to fight with. Hallelujah. I came to tell you this morning, hold on to your word. God's not a liar. He doesn't give us a word to frustrate us. He gives us a word to motivate us and to strengthen us in the battle and to give us a weapon to fight discouragement, to fight doubt, to fight weariness. Anybody ever got weary from the battle that you face? I have. I got both hands up. But he's given me the word that I can... And in, in the process, and I can complete, and I can reach that destiny that God has called me to. Pick up your weapon. I said, pick up your weapon. Pick up your word. The Bible says their boat was filled with water. That means doubt and worry and anxiety and stress and all the negative circumstances that surround you. Are trying. No,
0: it means their boat actually had water in it. That's what that means.
6: faith and to steal your word. I preached about it a couple Sundays ago. Our faith factor in our life has to rise above the fear factor if we're going to be an. Where in the
0: Bible does it talk about our faith factor versus our fear factor? You're making stuff up.
6: In our life, can I get an amen? amen? That's what the devil's after. The devil's after your word. Amen? Because here, listen, you know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to walk in fear and doubt and unbelief.
0: He wants you to wring your hands. And- Not fear and doubt and unbelief regarding the real promise that you have of the forgiveness of sins won by Christ on the cross. Repent and be forgiven. No, no, no. Uh, the devil wants you to fear and doubt and, you know, regarding some personal subjective word that's just for you, for your destiny. Yeah, really. Uh huh. I don't think the devil's worried about some destiny word. He's really worried about us trusting in the true promises given to all Christians of the forgiveness of sins
6: sort of raise your hands and praise. He wants you to be overcome by the circumstances that you're battling. Well, but I've come by here to tell you you're a process. You're in process. You're on your way. That's what the devil's after. He wants you to throw that word away. The devil's telling you today that it's hopeless, but I came by here to tell you, hold on to your word. If God has ever spoken,
0: don't hold on to the word. Hold on to your word. Big difference and completely false emphasis.
6: We'll bring it to pass. I said, if God has ever spoke it, God will bring it to pass. Let that sink in your spirit a minute. I'm going to say it again. If God has ever spoken it, God will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. If God spoke to you about bringing that godly husband into your life, then you need to start shopping for your wedding dress. Amen. The same is true if God has promised you a wife. Now, you don't start shopping for a wedding dress, guys. But you start looking for that wife because God has spoken it. God gave you a word. If God spoke to you about a new house, start looking at plans, start looking at the furniture you want to put in the house. If God. Man.
0: Rather than trusting in the real promises, for Christians, for the forgiveness of their sins, and humbly praying every day, O oh Lord, forgive us our trespasses, give us this day our daily bread. No, Now you're trusting in some subjective Jedi-style word that you're supposed to have received from God. Oh, God's promised you a husband, down deep, deep, deep in your heart. Well, start shopping for a wedding dress. God's promised you a house. Well, start looking. Man. This is not what Christianity is about. And these promises are really not from God.
6: Save your family. Quit calling them heathens and acting like they're unreachable. Hold on to your word. The devil wants to steal your faith in the word of God that you have.
0: And listening to you, it's clear that the devil has already succeeded because you're not trusting the written word of God. You're trusting in something different and calling it the word of
6: God. Now watch. Look up here. As soon as Jesus wakes up, he says what? He says, where is your faith? He asked him, he said, where is your faith? I promised you something. You're on your way to destiny. Walk in that. Take it. Uh, Jesus didn't say,
0: I promised you something. You're walking in your destiny or anything of the sort. You're adding that to the text. You've just twisted God's word by adding to it. God's word forbids
6: this. Storm robbed them of their faith in his word. It's easy to do. I said it's easy to do. If you've ever been through some storms, you know what I'm talking about. I've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. And it's not always easy because the waves are coming in. And you feel like you're going to drown. You feel like the ship is going to sink. Everybody ever felt like they've been on a ship that was about to sink? I have. Hallelujah. Now Watch. They had let the storm rob them. The boat may be demolished. The economy may be at an all-time low. We may be getting ready to have to endure Obamacare. And the economy may be at an all-time low. Gas prices may go to $10 a gallon. Bread may be $20 a loaf. The government may go bankrupt. But your word will deliver you. I said your word will deliver you. Stop looking. Not your God,
0: not your Jesus. Your word will deliver you. Again, this is focusing your faith on something other than Christ.
6: And stop looking to God. Hallelujah. Stop looking at, at the things that are going on around you. And let those discourage you and bring you down. And stop realizing God promised you a word. Hallelujah. My faith is not in my boat. I said my faith is not in my boat. My faith is not in my church. I hate to burst your bubble this morning as much as I love everybody in this room. My faith is not in you. Your faith is not in your job or the economy or the government. My faith is in the word. Hallelujah.
0: My faith is in Jesus Christ.
6: Can I get an amen this morning? Can I get a bigger amen this morning? Hallelujah. Hold on to your word. Hold on to your word. Slap the neighbor beside you and say, hold on to your word. Hallelujah. So worship team returns this morning. What you need to do right now is get your eyes off the storm and get them back on the word. Begin to praise God. Jerry, too many people get their eyes on the boat and what the boat's doing. I come and they get on the waves and on what's going on around them. But I come by here to tell you, get your eyes off all that stuff and all those things and get them on the word. Amen. Praise him because he's told the truth. Praise him like he's already done it. I said, well, you know what we need to do? If God gave you a word, you need to begin to praise him, brother Jeff, like he's already given you that word. I mean, like, I mean, he's already given you the word. But begin to praise him like he's given you that word. Praise him like you're already out of debt. Oh, hallelujah. Praise him like you've already moved into that new house. Walk through it in your imagination. Smell the carpet. Touch the walls.
0: There is isn't a single passage of scripture that tells you to do this. This is a way of denying your circumstances and causing you to stop praying and asking and petitioning God to help you and give you your
6: daily bread. Praise Him like the family's already saved. Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. Praise Him like they're standing beside you with their hands raised, tears streaming down their face, glorifying God. Praise Him because you're already healed. I'm praising Him this morning because I know I'm already healed. On the outside, it may not look that way right now, but I'm on my way to my healing.
0: This sounds like the mind science cults. Oh, it may look like I'm not healed on the outside, but I, I'm calling in my healing because I have a word. It's my word. And all the while, your body gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, and then you stop breathing and they bury you. And rather than praying and trusting Christ through all of that you are trusting in a fantasy and a delusion you know and then what happens when you end up in hell you say oh I've got a word and you keep saying to yourself I'm not here I'm not here I'm not really in hell i'm 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 really in the heavenly kingdom no you're not
6: praise him because this property's already paid for praise him because the parking lot's already paved and paid for praise him that you have all uh, that, that that we all have had needs and challenges and those needs are on 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 God's timetable and we're on our way to to fulfilling those areas and accomplishing all the things that God has given us and challenged us in you got to get your eyes off the problem get them back on the promise let me say that again you got to get your eyes off the problem and get them back on what God has promised you I mean, God God ever promised you something. I don't care what's happening in your life right now. I'm telling you, hold on to your word. Stand with me this morning all over this house.
0: Done. Wow. There's a lot of. Churches out there that preach this kind of message and this message is not Christianity and it takes your focus and your faith off of the real word, Jesus Christ, and off of his true word, the written scriptures, and has you chasing after some subjective promise that you think you might have received from God and trusting in it, when chances are it really wasn't from God at all. And how do you know? Because it's taking your eyes off of Jesus and having you put your faith in something other than him. And on top of it, this guy is teaching you to deny reality. Nowhere in scripture are we told to do that. This is a false message from a false prophet who is causing you to trust in lies rather than believe and trust in the truth. Plain and simple. Tragic. What gets lost in all of this? No repentance. No forgiveness of sins. No Christ in him crucified for you. No, just utter and complete selfish nonsense based upon some dream destiny that you're supposed to accomplish in this temporal world which you are sojourning through. And God doesn't promise that for his Christians. Sad. Absolutely sad. All right, we're at the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions... Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook. I'm maxed out on my friends, so hit the subscribe button at facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins.